The Mayfly is up and the excitement is palpable. Wherever you are in Ireland, the lakes and rivers are soon to be hatching with Mayfly soon. And to help you improve your catch rate this season, we've used a Mayfly Tactics Masterclass with international angler, guide and renowned tire, Jackie Mann. If you want to learn about setup, tactics, conditions and flies, then head over to www.irelandonthefly.com forward slash masterclass where you can find out all the details to access the recording and Jackie's notes. If you want to catch that difficult fish or try out new tactics, then this masterclass is for you. Hello and welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. If you're into saltwater fly fishing, by all accounts, 2022 seems to have been the year of the Pollock, with large numbers and large sizes of the fish being caught right throughout the season. So are we seeing more Pollock being caught because more anglers are targeting them on the fly? And what has happened to the bass? To find out more for this week's episode, we're joined by Richie Ryan of CorkBass.com, who is a guide specializing in catching Pollock on the fly. And Tom, before we hear from Richie, this was an episode I was particularly interested in, as we have been seeing more and more catches of this species of fish. Yeah, hi, Dara. Yeah, we have, actually. And this this one really, really um, put my ears up when mentioned this one to me, because I think it's something that I, I knew very little about. But, um, you know, I had heard of guys who have targeted Pollock and um, chatting to Richie. It was absolutely fascinating. Like, I, I've never tried it. You haven't, have you? No, no. And see, what I what I'm interested in this was, and I think because you were saying to me, God, yeah, this would, you know, we should definitely find out about this was that it's become a thing now, you know, and it's a bit like, you know, we had pike on the fly and pike is becoming more popular as well. Now, I think that's more to do it as well as because it's the winter. It's, you know, anglers chance to get mm-hmm. out. But people now are turning more to the pollock than the bass. And that's what Richie goes into, isn't it? Like that, you know, he'll say to his clients, if he's thinking about guiding, look, yeah, you can try bass for a while if you want. And if you're not catching here, let's have a go for the Pollock. Because he was saying, was it lads, South African friends, he takes out and there's like 30, 40 fish in a day. It's phenomenal, isn't it? And you can see why. And like, I could understand as well. I mean, I think when you talk about saltwater fly fishing, and we've talked about it here before on the podcast, you know, initially we think of bass. And that's what comes to mind. And um, and as he says, you know, primarily, I suppose people will go to him for that with with bass in mind. But, um, you know, what has happened now is, you know, a lot of his sessions just end up in primarily chasing after the Pollock. And you can see why when you hear catches like that. And I wonder then, is it going to be then like suddenly you get a mindset change with anglers? Because I know myself for 2023 now, I'm going to start looking to do that in the sense it's almost becomes you're going after the Pollock, you're catching fish, you've got a bend in the rod. And if you happen to catch a bass or if you decide, you know what, I see a couple, a bit, few bass over there, I'll have a go for an hour or so. But your primary focus then, and the, the bass need to become a side catch. Like. Isn't it? Yeah, but it doesn't sound like a perfect day's fishing. <laughs> Do <you laughs> Don't know? say that to the bass anglers. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I suppose, you know, we'll use the old cliche, the tug is the drug. Do you know? Because I know we, we focused on the fly, but, like on the lures, what I wonder is it is just, I presume it's just as easy then in terms of, but is it easier on the fly for the Pollock for some reason than the bass? That's interesting, actually. Yeah, and I think next time, because we, we're talking about having Richie on again, I think we'll have to just check that one out. Because I know with me here, I mean, Jackie Coyne, who a lot of a lot of the listeners will know, like Jackie lives back in uh, Mullock Glass, Glass, Renville, and Jackie looks down at the Atlantic and 
Jackie will often say, oh, it was perfect. I just crossed the road, went down into the rocks and started spinning for Pollock. And it goes on and he's always asking me back and it's like everything else. The small bucket list, we know about it. <laughs> but, you know, he really goes on about it. And he says, the great crack. And that's, and all he does is spin. And I, I've asked him before about the flies and just where he is, it's just easier to spin for. And it's probably more productive as well. But definitely, I'm sorry we didn't check with Richie about that because it sounds as if you have just as much sport uh, on them with the lures as well. You know, if you're targeting bass, you know, they'll always say to, look, you know, find them on the lures first. You know, you, mm. you'll find it, you'll know they're there and then you can switch over. So you're not kind of, you know, wasting your time, you know, that it's easier to try and kind of find them with the lures first. Whereas I got the sense talking to Richie with the Pollocks you just find those deep drop offs, the rocks, get a, you know, sink in line down into them yeah you're in with a very good chance and also the other thing was he was saying is it's not tide dependent you know spring tide dependent or anything like that yeah and that's the thing as i've said here before that always flummoxed me as a, a still water or should we say an inland angler you know the tides throw me i'm not used to tides I didn't grow up with fishing around tides so when i hear guys on about it for bass I'm sort of going oh god that's another thing in the equation that i have to find out about whereas you know when he was talking about the pollock nah doesn't seem to matter <laughs> No, it's just, and like, yeah. like you said, and there's the South African guys that we mentioned that they now just come. That's it, Pollock. They're not interested in the bass. It's just Pollock on the fly, and that's it. And who could blame them? Um, I think yeah, who said, could what, blame what, them? What was it? His best was ten pound plus. Ah, it? could you imagine what that'd be like on the fly? Absolutely fantastic. And that, well, really, the tactics were very interesting as well. And if you listen, Richie explains how he fishes and everything. Because I brought up, if you look on his on his website. Uh, is from a drifting boat, but it's not your classic lock style drifting as I thought it was from the picture. But it's very, it goes through it and it's well worth to listen to. Well, I'll tell you one thing, it's it's something I'm going to keep an eye on. A, I'm going to try it definitely in 2023. Richie, I'll be booking you. Um, yeah. And also, uh, I'm just interested to keep an eye out to see if we start seeing more stories, more catches, because it suddenly then becomes a kind of self, you know, fulfilling kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it does, doesn't, doesn't it? Like, it? Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, I would be interested to see if 2023 becomes even more so uh, the Pollock year. Like, it'd be yeah. interesting to keep an eye on it. You just mentioned it there. We're going to have to, we're going to have to change the name of the small bucket list and the big bucket list <laughs> because, like, the small bucket list, like, is getting very small <laughs> in that it can't, it can't hold all these things I want to do, which are really, really quite easy to do. I mean. You know, so we'll maybe call it the minor bucket list. You'll need you'll need to take like a gap year or what do they call it? You know, a year out. Oh, what do you call you know, it? Um, you know, where you, I don't know, you have to go find yourself, Tom, you know, for a year, go fishing elsewhere. <laughs> like, because like, <laughs> there's no way you would have the time. <laughs> no, no, no. That always gets me. It's like everything. I mean, there's so many places that I'd love to get to fish, uh, but it's just, I'm too busy on the car. Look, first world problem. Yes, that's what exactly. it's like. First oh, look, problem. You get to listen to the podcast instead and talk to talk to people about <laughs> I it. Do. Like, you know? <laughs> I do. And you can tell me what it's like then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll bring the recorder. <laughs> Give yeah, me that. Too, yeah. <laughs> well, look, I tell you what, let's hear from Richie right now. And I first asked him about why people are increasingly targeting Pollock over bass. If somebody wants to catch a bass on the fly, we can spend the whole time, maybe three or four hours doing that. But uh, what I tend to offer the client is that uh, we can do maybe an hour or two on, on, the, on the bass, and if they're not playing ball, uh, we switch to Pollock on the fly. And uh, the Pollock on the fly uh, this year was, I wrote a piece there for Inland Fisheries Ireland oh, only a few weeks ago. There are two South African friends of mine. One is living here, uh, 
Dr. Jacques Bronkhorst and his buddy Bads Badenhorst. He comes every other year, but they had, they said, the best pollock on the fly that they've ever had uh, here in Ireland. Uh, uh, best pollock, on, uh, best fishing on the fly. Um, and these, go, these guys fish all over the world. But uh, in relation to the bass on the fly, which I might start with that. Yeah, the, when, we, when we targeted them, we, we've had, we had some good days, definitely. Uh, I didn't experience the amount of bass that one or two, there's a guy called Becky Collins, uh, had had some very good fishing, not, not with fly, but generally uh, he's, uh, he's been doing very, very well. And uh, so that, that seemingly, seemingly they are there. But um, when I, in September, when I went up the estuaries myself, I went back to the estuaries. I used to do a fair bit of estuary fishing for uh, both, both on lure and fly, but I just stuck to the fly this time. And the old adage that how do you catch more fish in the fly? You leave the other rods at home. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> pretty simple yeah but true yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah I, I went back up to the estuaries and I think out of the four days I brought my good friend Kevin McLaughlin up one of the days and that was the only day that was the only day out of the four days that I didn't catch anything and I, he hadn't caught one on the fly this year um, he's an expert fly fisherman himself but uh, yeah I was very happy that they were back up they were there in the estuary I was fishing it like uh, like a river casting out and let, letting the fly swing around and then bang. Now, I didn't have a huge amount of fish. Like uh, I think the, one of the days, four fish was uh, uh, the most I had, uh, but uh, it was nice to see that they were back up in the estuaries. Now, they may have been there all the time. Uh, something you might be interested in is I was involved in the, the bass tagging program uh, with the ESB. There was uh, Dr. Tom Doyle, Dr. Or I think he's doctor now, uh, Damien Haberlin, and uh, another guy called Jim Clausey. We we uh, we tagged the bass here in the harbour. Uh, it was acoustic tagging, and um, the batteries lasted for a year. And we found that the bass. Sorry, Richie. Just could you say what do you mean by acoustic tagging? Sorry, acoustic tagging is where we inserted um, a kind of, as I suppose. It, uh, a transduce or a, not a transducer, but a, it transmits a signal and it's about half the size of a AAA battery. So, but it was inserted into the bass. The bass had to be quite big right. to, uh, to, in order to take this. So they were anesthetized and uh, we found that 20 out of the 30 that we did, 28 came back to the, but this, the most interesting thing about it is they came back to the exact same location. These batteries lasted for a year in the, uh, so the, 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 they had various uh, receivers around the harbour, so they were able to tell that they, they came. Oh, so they, yeah, so the, by, by that you mean that the, the tags could be picked up electronically, the, the fish didn't have to be caught again? No, no, exactly, yeah. yeah. Ah. Once, they, once they passed the receiver, uh, it, it, it was noted where the fish were. So um, we got some up in the estuaries, and uh, I think the first two, the, the 28 that they think, we got definitely got, to, we did, we tagged 30, and we think maybe the first two, Maybe they died because uh, uh, maybe I, I, we, we, we were starting off. Maybe, maybe it was something we did, we did incorrectly or whatever. Right. But, uh, another interesting aspect of that was one of the fish was be bleeding very heavily. 
a big bass, about six or seven pounds that I caught. And uh, that, I asked, I pleaded with Tom Doyle, because these, I think, were at the time, about three or four hundred euros for each, you know. I pleaded with Tom to, to, uh, to tag this one, and he did actually come back. And I called, mm. I called all the name, I called, the, called all the bass after my children and after my brothers and sisters. Yeah. So they all had, they all had names, yeah. And Jim Clausen. What, what, what did you call the one that was bleeding heavily? Oh, I think I, 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 that's a good one. No, I think it was uh, after my brother Brian. He was that rest. Of his, his, he was a mad fisherman as well. He was. Uh, right. Yeah, he, he had a shop in um, a tackle shop in, uh, in 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 Gothenburg, Sweden. Yeah, that that's basically that. And I suppose initially when I came to the Naval Basin Hall Bowl, and uh, I started. Uh, I was there a few years before. I was getting fed up with the salmon fishing, so I decided I'd go and uh, try for bass. Now, I wasn't, I, was, I wasn't fly fishing for bass, but I had, my dad did teach me how to fly fish as a young fellow back in Burris in County Carlo. Uh, he, he taught me on the lawn, and then I went off to, uh, down to the barrow. And, and probably an, inter an interesting story, maybe quickly I'll tell you. I was about 16 or 17, and I had a small little dog. We were tying a fly, uh, at, at night time actually the, the, uh, fishing with the grey flag uh, yeah. and the brown flag rather and uh, I was tying the, the, tying the fly and the, the, the dog was up and down the river the river bank and uh, he came behind me and I tapped him on the head next thing he shot straight into the water and I said to myself you stupid dog next thing 10 seconds later the dog comes along it was an otter I had patted in the head <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, so from there, yeah, I, I used to, uh, I used to, we had a little punt and a little small little boat, and I used to go up the river and just float down in the, in the, in June mainly for the dry fly. You ended up in Cork then, Richie, was it? And that's I, ended up, I ended up in Cork then, uh, yeah, for the, for the, for the bass fishing. So um, I started. Was it off. brought you to Cork? Was it originally? Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, I was a young officer in the army up in Galway and there was a shortage of naval officers here in the, the naval base because they were getting ships and the basic training for recruits was the same. So um, they, I was sent down for three years and the Navy asked me to transfer then and I never looked back after that. So oh, I had wow. fixity, fixity of tenure. Wow, and a career on the sea. Fantastic. And a career on the sea and they even uh, kindly gave me a year in um, Lebanon. I was, I was camp commandant out there for a year in um, Ooh, wow. In Lebanon for so that was very a, a very pleasant experience yeah I retired three years early because I had uh, I had maximized my gratuity and my pension so I dipped my toes in the water a year or two before I retired I bought a boat that I reckon was suitable for fly fishing just a pure open 17 foot boat and uh, started off then and uh, so I, ne I never looked back but it is it, it is only a hobby and I still consider myself very much an amateur in relation to to bass on the fly, maybe uh, pollock on the fly, I'd be a little more expert at it now than. But uh, yeah, when I when I started off, uh, the, the Jock Bronkhurst, who would be the my go-to guy at the time, I sought him out, and he helped a lot with the business. Um, and uh, I I never looked back really, you know. But I I don't advertise uh, for for business. I it, it is purely a hobby. And I just like to stress again that I, I, I still consider myself an amateur and learning all the time. Do you find yourself like 
had you started targeting the bass on the lures and then you just kind of find found yourself just graduating more and more to the fly and just decided yes yeah that that's exactly how it went there i i i i uh i always loved the fly fishing I, I, the, the salmon fishing on the fly i love but the trout in particular um so i i decided that yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna start switching to the fly and uh when i started the business it, it was it was mainly for fly fishing but up to that i had do, i had been doing a lot of lure fishing and a lot of float fishing for bass which i found was was uh was very effective as well yeah is it much do you find because i know just from chatting to lads say in west cork um richie that they having to go you know they would have been kind of from the shore but now you're finding you're kind of having to go offshore now more so in terms of finding the fish that it's that bit easier when you when you can go out to marks yeah i i don't honestly believe there that it, that the fish aren't there i just um i i, I firmly believe that they're there all right but uh, guys are catching them at night time for instance now they're switching to night fishing for bass I give an example of a, that, that guy I was telling you about who's doing so well uh, here in the harbour Dickie Collins he was using a soft plastic a certain colour and I, he was murdering fish for two years in a row he had great fun and in fairness to him he lets everything back but um, he was totally frustrated and said to me I said well just change colour so he was fishing with the normal color that he was fishing with, and then he's I, he 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 said he'd switch over. And the minute he switched the color on that lure, he 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 started catching fish again. Yeah. What color was it? <laughs> well, he, 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 I told him to switch to to a, a, a what was the mackerel version, you know? Okay. Sure, right. But yeah, yeah. Fair so, play to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen often here. We normally get interference when an answer a question like that. <laughs> Listen, Richie, you were talking there about, um, uh, very interested there about the boat, that you got a boat. So um, and for anybody who wants to see, there's a great picture of, of you on your website on Airbass on in the boat. And it looks to me like you're obviously drifting. It's a, it's a Seahawk 17 foot, yeah? Yes, yeah, it's a Seahawk 17 foot, yeah. It looks to me like you're lock style fishing almost in that picture. So do you set the boat up on a drift with it? We set the boat up on a drift, but um, unlike on the, on the I, I wouldn't be a, a guru on the lakes now. I'd be very much, a, a, I've only done it a few times, but we, we do the opposite. We cast into the wind. So right. uh, particularly for the fall, Pollock on, on the fly, now we, you cast into the wind and you, the, you basically wait. We, we, we're, we're using very, we're using HD lines like, and they're, they're very much weighted and you have to get down to the pollock to, to catch them. Uh, I suppose one of the secrets of, the, of pollock fishing is, um, is I, get, I, I get guys to hold the rod down maybe into the water at the start, particularly trout guys, because if you strike, you won't catch the pollock. Pollock are trying to suck the fly into their mouths. So you'll get this most unusual sensation. You feel the pluck, pluck, pluck. <coughs> that, that pollock would pluck five or six times before you, you know you're on and then you do what you call, as you know yourselves, you call it a strip strike. Yeah, so, the left yeah. hand. Yeah. The left hand. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, and we're using quite small flies. We, we, we've discovered that the small flies, size, size one hook, is just ideal. Um, we're, getting, um, we're getting six, eight, ten pound pollock on the fly. And you have to, bull, you have to bully them. The minute you, you have a big pollock on, 
you just have to bully him. You can't let him down. If you let him down, he's going to wrap himself around the kelp, and that's the end of it. That's amazing. I'm actually I'm actually intrigued by the pollock fishing, and it's it's great to get you on to talk about it because I think it's um I think it's something that's open for all of us there. Like I was just saying to you beforehand, and I'm really into the bass as well. But I think pollock is a fish that's there for everybody. You know, they're all over the coast in Ireland. So that's yes. why I'm intrigued to ask you. So let's say somebody was thinking of do, going at it. So uh, what what rods do you use? What what's the gear that you use for them? Um, I am ID the line anyway. Yeah, it's an air airflow cold salt water uh, a snipe sniper. Yeah, 40, 40 plus. Yeah, so it's it's uh, that's the, that's one. There's there is another one that I use, which is uh, there. It's a, a Rio outbound. Mm. So basically, to get down to to the to to, to the fish and uh, just uh, we find that when you, when you're when you're actually taking in the fly, just kind of a foot at a foot of a retrieve every time. And just nice, nice and slow, and and, and just if, if you have to keep moving the fly, even when you when you feel the take. Yeah. Now, so you're casting into the wind. Now, a lot yes. of lads could have a problem with that, but you don't have to cast that far, I presume. No, no, and that's the beauty of the pollock on the fly, uh, Tom. Is that I bring youngsters out who've never had, and and adults as well who've never mm. held a fly rod in their lives, and what we do is we just let the fly and the line in the water, and they just let the line off. And I keep an eye on them, and I tell them, look, your count is, depending on what depth we're on, you know, if you're on, if we're on 30 feet, I'd say, I'd say maybe count maybe to 15, count to 15, and then start retrieving. So it, it, it's, it's, youngsters pick it up so easily, and um, people who've never fly fished before, and they, they absolutely love it, yeah. How did you get into the Pollock side of it? Was it because you found they were more common and it was easier to kind of introduce clients to that side of it like was that the kind of transition into that yeah that was that was basically it there it it it, it <clears throat> what i say to clients now is we can do all all the whole session i have clients that come back to me all the time and they're just mad about the pollock on the fly because it's there's there are days and people find it very hard to believe that we are actually catching nearly every cast <laughs> yeah it, it's um there are days when uh we uh, those two South African guys, Jacques and, and Bads, we were out together in a boat and we had, uh, I think it was about four or five hour session, we had 120 pollock to the boat. Wow. We had about, yeah. we had about 40 each. It's, it's, just in, it's just incredible, yeah. And, and when and where do you target them? I'm not looking for specifics. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I actually, Coordinates. Uh, well... <laughs> I, I give you simple coordinates if you're in a boat for, for, for pollock and the fly is go to go to where you see lobster pots. Mm. That's where that's where the pollock are. So just just but do be careful because as as we found you you tend to uh, hook yourself up on a on a, on a pot very mm. easily as well. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's um uh, time uh, tide sometimes. I I there are times when I in the summer when it's it's so good that. It doesn't really matter what time of the time. Are tides important with the bass, aren't they? They are. I would yeah. say, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I can, um, for instance, there's a there's guy. I met guys on a beach one time, and they were fishing the, the first three hours of the flood. But I knew particularly that, that this particular spot was good for an hour after. So they right. they, yeah. they were heading off. Ah, Richie, you're too late. I know I couldn't get out. <laughs> <in time. laughs> so they were only. 
they only gone around the corner and I was into a bus. And, uh, and, you, and you went running after them, but they were gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went, I went, come back quick, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that's that. I mean, that's. I mean, what you're saying there, that that way to work the session sounds fantastic. That you know, depending of course, if the time is right for that four or five hour period. But you know, just to give an hour maybe target on the bass, and then to concentrate on Pollock, that sounds really, really good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that that's that's an option. Or as I say, there are so many clients coming back now. Just they're just they just want Pollock on the fly anyway, and they're happy. But just to say, guys. From the shore, it's slightly different for Pollock on the fly. I don't do a huge amount of it, but um, if somebody wants to target Pollock on the fly, uh, dusk, coming up to dusk, they tend to come up to the top of the water and uh, a bit easier to, 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 uh, to target them then. So the tides, spring tides, that doesn't matter? No, uh, I, I, I'm not a mad fan of, of spring tides for bass in the harbour, but uh, spring tides for Pollock doesn't seem to doesn't doesn't make a huge difference. Uh, once once you're not uh, no, I would say there's there's a place called Harbour Rock here in, in, in the mouth of the harbour, and you you just yeah, on a spring tide you just wouldn't be able to cover it properly because the the, right. the, the water is, is 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 so the current is so fast out there. But if you get outside, I try and get outside the harbour if I can. My license allows me to go a certain amount outside the harbour, so. Um, yeah, the big spring tides don't don't seem to uh, don't seem to affect the the, the pollock that much, uh, but it does the bass. The bass have sorry, the bass have more of an opportunity to go places where they don't normally go. So I find it a little more difficult. So are you looking for and again just for up say for the shore angler? Are you looking for the kind of the rocky spots, the kind of drop offs, the shelves, that kind of area? Is that what yes. you're looking for? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you can find deep water in front of you, there's a there's a there's a an app called uh, Navionics UK Holland, and you can stand on the shore and you can see straight in front of you where what depth of water is in front of you. Uh, it's an absolutely brilliant app. I use it. Uh, I use it even on the boat for um, for for targeting uh, certain certain areas as well. You you can stand on the shore. It'll give you exact exact water depth in front of you at, at, at low water but you know it, it's um, it, it also gives you gives you the the bottom generally as well in front of you is it is it a sandy bottom or you can see the mark you can see the, the marks you can, you can see the actual um, pinnacles and whatever in front of you I don't know about you Thomas I was like it's really interesting that you're saying this like is is are you seeing this as a new branch that a kind of maybe a lot more anglers are looking to now actually specifically target the pollock? You were saying obviously you've got those South African clients, yeah. Because automatically, you know, when we spoke to Jason O'Reardon earlier this year about um, saltwater fly fishing, and it was primarily about bass. But it's really interesting now that you're saying is yeah, there's kind of anglers maybe are starting to kind of actually move away from bass maybe and specifically target pollock knowing you have a better chance of actually catching a fish like yeah yeah these two South africans they're 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 not they're not they're not clients they're they're friends of mine you know we we, we meet up every 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 well i meet jock all the time but um uh, mm. cam comes every other year but yeah i mean they, their go-to now at this stage is it, it's pure pollock they, they just don't care about bass they'd like to catch a bass the odd time but it's so it's so prolific it's so good and it's such fun. It, it's I, I just can't understand. There is a certain snob element to to uh, pollock on, on uh, pollock fishing, and uh, 
and and guys say to me, you know, Asher Pollock is a, he, he, he's, there's no good fight in a Pollock. These guys are talking about using a broomstick at 150 feet of water, you know. Uh, when you're using a, a nine weight, an eight nine weight rod and on a fly and a fly, you're and you have a five or six pound Pollock, you know about it. You absolutely know about it. What um, kind of flies are you using? Mainly trousers, small small flies with size size one. For for the listeners, it's it's uh, it, they're dumbbell eyes which are weighted, and it it, it, it the beauty of, the, of it is the, of the dumbbell eyes. It I they they bring the flo- they bring the, the the hook up. They turn the hook upside down, so that when you're going down through the camp and yeah. and the weed generally, that you're not getting you're not getting half as snagged as you would normally with with a normal. Yeah, but, but again, size. Size small. We 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 have used at the start, and there's a uh, there's a client of mine came with very big flies one day that he wanted to try out that his niece, his nephew had uh, tied up, and they they worked they worked fine. But we we, we tend we we found now that the, and and it's amazing that the smaller flies they're they're only in 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 old money I suppose uh, two two inches long you know even mm. even an inch and a half. And when do you start targeting um, Dun Ritchie? Like from kind of the middle of May on would be the best, um, right up until. And the beauty of this for the for the for the the, the freshwater anglers is that right up until November, mm-hmm. um, uh, we we can uh, we can target the pollock. You know, uh, so guys who are really cheesed off that they're they're not they're no longer being able to, able to cast a fly that they can come out. Um, come out in October, November. There was two guys now um, who came out with me, Aidan Walsh and uh, John Meehan comes out with me a lot. He loves the pollock and the fly, but Aidan wanted the extra challenge of uh, and it was early October and cheesed off that all the, se- the season was over. So we targeted bass for the for that particular day. He just wanted bass and he had travelled a fair distance for it. So we did actually get three lovely bass that day. Oh, nice. uh, about five or six pounds weight, so um, delighted. Deli- they were delighted. I was even more happy because I was, uh, uh, I was uh, on a hiding to nothing. If not, if they, uh, if he had <laughs> um, just there on the pollock. Is it a question? And I asked this for myself. Is it that the pollock move inshore from May to let's say November, and then in that period they move further out? Is it? Yes, I think uh, I think what tends to happen, Tom, is that the because of the the, the storms and whatever that the, the, the ground gets churned up a fair bit, so they, they tend to move off. Right, and, and uh, they, they 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 move out to to to, uh, to deeper ground, obviously. But you would pick up the odd one in in in, in the winter, you know. And uh, an interesting one. Now we were we were fishing for we saw we had a a huge mark of fish i think it was in november no no it was actually january we were oh that was a challenge that Jacques sent set 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 for ourselves dr Jacques, that we'd catch a pollock on the fly in every single month of the year all right uh, yes yeah so we one of the one of the it was uh back in january uh two or three years ago we we saw a huge mark of fish on the finder and we said we couldn't uh couldn't we thought they were pollock, and we couldn't catch them. And next thing, Jacques had a very strip, a very fast strip. Yeah. And all of a sudden, bang! 
uh, coalfish. And we wow. Yeah. And I mean, okay, there weren't there were only one or two pounds weight, maybe three, three was that that big. But by God, just that change of stripping fast, really fast. We did actually meet the challenge. We did actually catch a pollock. <laughs> you got pollock one, yeah. Every single <laughs> so you, month you of have, the year. You've completed, you've got a pollock on the fly every month of the year. Every month of the year, yeah. yeah. Excellent. With all of this, actually, do you ever feel like going back uh, trout or salmon fishing again? No, there, there's the problem. And, and there's, 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 there's two, two, two sides to that problem. I don't want to do so much guiding that it's going to ruin my own fishing, my own enjoyment of fishing. Yes. Uh, uh, the other... The, yeah, definitely. I last uh, this year I didn't buy a salmon salmon season, salmon a salmon license because I I don't know when you have fishing like that. Um, yeah. Why would you waste your time on the river? No, I love the river and all the rest, <laughs> but you do like to catch an odd fish, you know. And um, I don't know. I've, I've whether I've been unlucky or maybe I need a good guide when I'm going salmon fishing, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been. I, I, I bought all the bought all the beats and bought the license, and I suppose maybe gone five or six times in the last couple of years. You know, so it's uh, it, it was it, it was no brainer really. Do you find um, a lot more salmon anglers during the summer, Richie, or heading towards? the Yeah, coast? I, I I get guys who'd ring me or guys I'd know who saying, "Look, Richie, the the the, the river's on its bare bones. There's no no water. Will you bring bring us out with for the next two days and?" That they've been there, or or they'd ring and that they'd never been with me before. Some, some, in fairness to some of the salmon guides down there, uh, they they uh, they passed them on to me. You know, they say, look, this guy, we bring you out. At least you catch fish. You know. <laughs> um, I do want to ask you just uh, on the the bass because you were saying um, you reckon it's not the numbers are down. You reckon they're just wising up, are they? Like in terms of, I tend to think that they are there and that. They are wising up, yeah, yeah. There a lot of mark. If a mark is getting hammered, you you won't catch. You know, they may not be number. No, I I did fish a lot in the eighties and were would be catching five or six bass, not on the fly at the time. Now with lure fishing and and float fishing and whatever, but um, yeah, the, it would not be as good now as it was it was back in the eighties. But their their bass are there. They're definitely there, uh, but probably not in good as numbers as as back in the eighties. In fairness, you're not the only guy um, I've heard say that in terms of the wisening up of the, of the bass. Like, you know, it's mm. fishing pressure, they reckon, is actually... And I've heard it said as well, like what lads say down in the estuaries, West Cork, and there'd be lads with the lure not catching, and ah, there's no fish there. And then a fellow would come in with the, the live sand deal and he'd be pulling them out, like... Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's... it's uh, there's there, We had this French ribs come came, came over... Uh, they're still coming over, but they were unlicensed and going to the marks and uh, five or six in a in a in a in a in a, in a sea rider and ha- absolutely hammering the, the the marks for three or four weeks. And I was I was at nothing. And eventually, the, the pressure was put on them to get a license, and they got a license for one of the boats. But there's only one. There's one boat coming now, but they tortured the marks and. Um, <clears throat> I know there's no point in me going to those marks when, when those guys are around. They come in normally in uh, in September. It's funny. I would have thought that was well with the boat that you would have had, you know, greater availability or greater stretch of water that you could, you know, target the bass. And therefore it would have been easier than, say, for a shore angler who's much more limited. But even you're still finding it tough. Like, 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that, 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 there's, um, no, there are obviously marks out there that I don't know. Uh, but the, the traditional marks that you, you'd find, you might, you, you might at uh, the odd time stumble. Uh, myself and Jacques and uh, Kevin McLaughlin were out one, one particular May, as it was. So can I explain maybe quickly that the, the bass leave the harbour because the, cold, the water gets cold. So they leave the harbour and they go. We're not, we're not 100% sure where they go. But we found uh, in a mid-May, it was two years ago, we, we could see a shoal, a massive shoal of bass underneath us. And I mean, the water was crystal clear. <clears throat> there were double-figure bass in it. I reckon they were congregating, ready to come into the harbour. The, when we tagged the bass, the last of the bass came into the harbour in mid-June. So kind of uh, mid-May on, some of them I think may, may have come back uh, late April, but uh, the last of them were, were, were back in the harbour, uh, the bigger fish I think maybe in June, in mid-June. But yeah, they, they do congregate and they congregate to leave as well. It's interesting. It's very interesting. And do you, um, Richie, just on that, do you, when you're going fishing, are you always out in the boat? Do you always, you'll, that's your kind of natural thing. You'll always head off to the boat. You've never just. No, no, boat. actually, no, I, 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 um, I, I love fishing from the shore as well. So yeah, I go, I go to the, I go to the odd bass mark and, um, I suppose that my winter go to, which is kind of a, would be to, for the, the mullet on the fly. We, we, we'll well, we haven't even episode. touched on that. Yeah, probably, that's a future episode because that is <laughs> yeah, something I so, I've yeah. been interested in as well. Like, and I think I've heard it. I've heard it called the Irish bonefish. No. the Irish bonefish. Yeah, or the, yeah. The, the, the British, the British call it the British bonefish. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. Um, I suppose it, yeah. You can we can maybe talk about it some other time. Yeah, but yeah, uh, love to. It's uh, it's, uh, it's 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 kind of a winter sport, you know. So listen, before we go. We ask everybody that comes on to chat to us, Richie, about what their most memorable fish was that they caught on the fly. Not okay. has to be, doesn't have to be the biggest, most memorable. Most memorable. Okay, the most memorable would, would have been I would uh, um, would have been fly fishing, for, dry fly fishing for trout with uh, uh, floating down the river Barrow at home in Burris in County Carlow, and um, this trout took me up and down the river. And next thing I realised, it was a salmon. And I had four four pound breaking strain line, and a, and a small trout rod, trout fly rod, and uh, he just tore me around the place. I'd say I was in him for uh, close to a half an hour, yeah. and eventually got him in. He was about six seven pounds weight. Yeah, that would have been my most memorable fish by far. Yeah. Come here, tell us. Do you have a most memorable fish on the fly on the saltwater? I got a specimen uh, mullet on the fly one time. Yeah, and um, that was. He just, he, she, I don't know, uh, tore me <laughs> off. The, now, uh, a lot of the time, when, especially if you're out in the surf and, and you're fishing them in the surf, they'll take you down to the backing most of the time, you know. But this particular fish went all over the place and really tore, tore the reel off, you know. It was unbelievable, yeah. What weight was it? It was, uh, it was close on six pounds, I think it was. I think wow. five, five is the... Uh. Five pounds is, is is the specimen weight for a for a mullet. So you can actually you can, you can bear testament to the fact that they're known as let's say the Irish bonefish. They do fight oh, yeah. like crazy. Yeah, yeah. It, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. They they really do tear. They they go like clappers. Yeah, Brilliant. like a steam train. Can we reach actually? Just what's your personal best Pollock, or or, or uh, one of your friends? Best Pollock or... was was uh, just over the ten pounds weight. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. 
you, if you go into my site there, you can see photographs, I think, uh, uh, of, of, of various, uh, there's, there's articles in relation to, uh, the, the most recent article now would, would have, uh, would have a fine big Pollock on the fly that we, we, uh, we got this year. So mm-hmm. about around the £10 mark would have been the, the, the biggest one, yeah. And there's some colours on them, isn't it? That gold. Oh, yeah. Incredible. I mean, you get different colours. We even pick up the odd, uh, talking about colours, we even pick up the odd cod on the fly. It's, we get lovely, wow. beautiful, beautifully Kelpie cod. We'll put a link up onto your site when we're putting the podcast out so people well, can have a yeah. look at that. Yeah. Uh, so just tell us, Richie, what's the, the website if people are interested in um, contacting you for some kayaking down at Cork Harbour? Yeah, com. Well, I'd say it's been fascinating finding out about the, the pollock on the fly because it's again, it's another species, another window um, for anglers to try, and it's becoming ever more popular. So, um, we'll, we'll keep on an eye on your future catches in 2023. Richie Ryan, thanks a million for joining us. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks a million. Our thanks to Richie Ryan for joining us on the show. And don't forget to rate, review, and follow the Ireland on the Fly podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. Plus, you can keep up to date on IrelandOnTheFly.com as well as on Instagram. And myself and Tom will be back with another episode about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. The Mayfly is up and the excitement is palpable. Wherever you are in Ireland, the lakes and rivers are soon to be hatching with Mayfly soon. And to help you improve your catch rate this season... We've used a Mayfly Tactics Masterclass with international angler, guide and renowned tyre, Jackie Mann. If you want to learn about setup, tactics, conditions and flies, then head over to www.irelandonthefly.com forward slash masterclass where you can find out all the details to access the recording and Jackie's notes. If you want to catch that difficult fish or try out new tactics, then this masterclass is for you.